Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Ooh, this was a tough week for me because nothing major came out this week. Nothing major came out this week. So I was stuck between do I want to see Silent Night or Godzilla Minus One. Silent Night just didn't seem all that interesting to me. I'll probably end up seeing it anyway if it's still in theaters within the next like week or two. But Godzilla Minus One... I love Godzilla. I used to watch the Godzilla movies when I was younger. I love the 1998 Roland Emmerich film. I think most people don't, but I love that movie. I mean, I was like 11 years old when it came out. So for an 11 year old, it was so much fun. So much fun. And, you know, the movies that have come out recently. Enjoy those to the max. Love them. So a Godzilla movie in theaters, I'm down, but it's in Japanese. And that makes me a little nervous because I don't like subtitles. I get very frustrated when the movie's in a language that I've never studied before. Now, with the movie I saw a couple of weeks ago, like a month or two ago, Anatomy of a Fall, that wasn't so bad. I didn't know it was subtitled until I went in. I didn't realize that was like a French, French film until the, you know, beginning credits rolled. And I realized, oh, oh, this is a French movie. Nice to know. But at some point in my life, I've studied French. You know, I took a semester of French in the sixth grade. It was like a split between French and Spanish. Um, I've studied a little bit of French on my own over the years, Duolingo, what have you. So the, the sentence structure, there are certain words that are familiar, sounds. It's not so bad. It's not so distracting because it is familiar. I recognize it. I'm not familiar with Japanese at all. And I get very distracted because I can't hear the individual words. When I'm hearing a language that I've never studied before, it sounds like one long continuous noise. Does that make sense? Not to say that the language sounds horrible. I just can't break it down in my head. I can't break down the sentence structure, the verb, subject agreement, and all that jazz. So I get very distracted with trying to find the words within the sentence of a language that I do not recognize. So I was very nervous going into this movie, wondering if I would just distract myself and also be frustrated by the fact that there are subtitles. Some people can do subtitles. Some people can't. I am one of those people where I just can't. I'm getting better at it, though. I'm getting better. But generally, no, can't do it. I don't even like closed captions. So Godzilla minus one. 
this is not going to be a super long take because this is, you know, quintessential action, a little bit of sci-fi. Well, mostly sci-fi, obviously, because we're talking about a giant monster that lives in the sea. But, you know, action-oriented, and that's not quite my forte. But it's a movie, and I got something out of it, and I want to talk about it. So let's go. This is the part of the review where I give you the name of the movie plus the director and the actors, but this is going to be a little bit different. While I can tell you this is Godzilla Minus One, directed by Takashi Yamazaki, that's as far as I can go. Um, I don't want to be disrespectful and butcher people's names, even though I would be attempting in good faith to pronounce them correctly, but like, I... I can't do it. I tried practicing. It didn't work. So there are a lot of amazing Japanese actors in this movie because this is a Japanese produced film. And I'm a little angry, though, after seeing it, that this isn't getting more of an American push. This is definitely a movie, you know, in spite of it not being in English, right? This is definitely a movie I think Americans are itching for, are begging for. You know, yes, this is a I don't know if let's say a remake, but it's in addition to the franchise. So, you know, it's part of that whole, you know, franchises, requels, sequels, and reboots kind of deal. But this is definitely, I think, quality cinema that a lot of Americans are just begging for that we're just not getting from American studios. This was quality. This was so good. It was excellent. So this takes place right at the end of World War II. We have a kamikaze pilot who has defected. Um, I don't know much about the um, the Japanese, Soviet, U.S. part of World War II. That's not where my knowledge mostly lies. I'm a little more well-versed in what happened in Europe. But once we get to the part about Pearl Harbor, I get lost and confused. It's so much information. So we have this... World War II, kamikaze Japanese pilot who defects, he pretends he has a faulty plane and ends up on an island called Odo where there are mechanics to fix his plane. They can't find anything wrong with it. And, you know, you can kind of see the shame welling within him. He had a duty to die for his country and didn't. And while on this island with, you know, these men who are just serving their country as dutifully as they can as mechanics, they meet Godzilla. He rises from the ocean and proceeds to attack. It, it seems like he's not there to hurt anyone, but you know, he's this monster. He's large. He is aggressive and they anger him and it just kind of goes downhill from there. This pilot manages to survive. He's one of two. And the other guy that survives blames him because this guy comes on with a plane, you know, equipped with, you know, equipment that can, you know, fire. I think it was like 20 millimeter, a 20 millimeter round of some kind. Don't come at me if you're like a weapon enthusiast. Don't come at me, please. And they count on him, say, hey, go to your plane and shoot and kill it. But he freezes. He freezes and people end up dying and he blames him for it. So now he's leaving this island carrying all this guilt and the shame that not only did he abandon his country and not only did he disgrace his country, he's disgraced his name, but he feels responsible for the deaths of these men. He had the power to do something to save their lives. And he, in the moment where 
an ultimate moment of redemption for him, he froze. He failed. So he goes back to Tokyo where it's been, you know, devastated by air raids and his home has been destroyed. His parents are dead. His neighbor is devastated. She's lost her children and she gives him a hard time for being a kamikaze pilot who didn't die. You know, telling him how he's a disgrace, he's a dishonor and, you know, he's hanging his head in shame and he ends up going to the market where he runs into this young woman who's carrying a baby and apparently she's stolen something. She's on the run and she forces this like bundle into his arms. And that's when he realizes it's a baby. He waits for her to come back. She doesn't. He tries to abandon the child and he can't. I love this um, theme that's kind of rolling through here of abandonment that he's struggling with. He abandoned his country. He felt like he abandoned those men. And now he has an opportunity to not abandon this child. And he says, you know what? I'm going to take her and walk and we'll, we'll figure it out. Ends up running back into the girl and they form a little family. Eventually they're living together, raising this child. The child apparently is not hers. Um, the child was orphaned. The dying mother gave the baby to this little girl, to this woman, and they're raising her as their own, except he's a little distant. He doesn't want the child to call him dad. That's he doesn't want to marry her. He, he still feels like he's fighting a war within himself. He feels like the war isn't quite over. Well, he ends up getting a job about a year or so down the line, um, getting rid of mines, 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 bombs in the water uh, that have been left behind by the Japanese and the U.S. And he feels like he's perfect for the job because, again, you know, he has experience when it comes to, you know, weaponry and whatnot. But nobody knows that. Um, He keeps that pretty much to himself, doesn't want anyone to know what a disgrace he is, quote unquote. Well, while out in the water one day, they run into a ship that has been destroyed. It looks like a U.S. ship that has been destroyed. And our guy recognizes the damage. It's Godzilla. And they run into the monster again. And it's crazy because this monster is different than the monster that I have seen the last couple of years. This is a monster that cannot die, that cannot be destroyed, who seems to have the ability to heal himself very quickly. And he's large, he's aggressive, he gets angry, and he's destroying everything. He's destroying boats, he's destroying these mines, he's on his way to destroy what's left of Japan. And that's kind of where our story goes. You know, this community trying to figure out this community that was just devastated by war, that just is, that's just starting to rebuild their lives, now finding themselves battling an entity that will not die. That's the, the best synopsis that I can give you. It's such an amazing film because we have this theme running through of abandonment of him abandoning his country. And then now he has a choice of whether or not to abandon this child. And then he gets another choice on whether or not to abandon this woman and this child. And it's all about redemption. It's all about him redeeming these parts of himself that he feel these parts of his character that he feels are broken. Him wanting to always make up for what he's done. And and when he apologize to his country, to the men that he feels he's responsible for their deaths, to the mechanic who survived, he's constantly trying to redeem himself and figure out a way that he can be a better man than what he was when the war ended. He's also trying to figure out a way to end the war because for him, the war is never over. And I think it's that... sense of unfinished business. He didn't finish the war. He just left it. Does that make sense? 
So yeah, we have this running theme of abandonment and redemption, and then this sense of family and what family looks like and how we can rebuild our lives and ourselves and build community after such devastation. Because we have this community that of private citizens that are now faced with the task of taking care of this monster themselves. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful depiction of just community. And, you know, men with a sense of duty. I think this is also something a lot of men would like, American men, because we have a lot of movies right now that show men to just be idiots bumbling idiots who can't handle anything, who are always weak, always crying. And these are men who have been through a lot, who've been through the worst, who are still suffering and struggling with what they've been through. And yet there is this sense of duty that I have a family to take care of. I have to, you know, take care of my community and my country. It's, I think this is an encouragement for a lot of men right now when you have a film industry that's telling men that they're worthless. So it's a great action movie, beautiful cinematography, something that I notice is how the color is often sucked out of the frame, out of the picture, giving a very muted look. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Japanese cinema is very... um hard edges. It, it almost kind of, kind of reminds me of a branch of like German expressionism where we saw a lot of hard, dark edges. There's something about Japanese cinematography where they really do focus on the contrast between the soft and the hard and then creating these beautiful lines within the frame. I love Japanese cinema. It's gorgeous. 
Great acting from the best that I can tell, because again, I don't speak the language. But I think when you have a movie that you know is going to be in, in a foreign language that might be shown in markets that do not speak said language, you really have to rely on the acting to convey a lot of the story. Because then you have people like me who don't like reading subtitles, who will oftentimes forget to read the subtitles. So I'm de- I am depending on your performance to convey the words that I missed. Does that make sense? So I feel like the actors here did a great job of really expressing themselves in a way that made sense to me. Whether that was intentional or not, intentional or not, doesn't matter to me. Their performances and the way they portrayed these characters, the way they portrayed these emotions was very helpful to me. But I think a lot of it just had to do with Japanese culture in general. They're very expressive and they're very, you know, emotional. So everything they do is it's loud and overstated in a way that's just beautiful. So I can't really give you uh, how does this measure up in terms of other action or sci-fi movies? Not my forte. In terms of like other, you know, kaiju movies, you know, Japanese monster films, I think this measures up perfectly. Honestly, out of all of the Godzilla movies that I've seen, this is the best one. This was just excellent on so many levels. We had this incredible monster, undefeatable, and then this beautiful human story that kept us anchored, that kept us very anchored. So when there was, there were tugs at this human story, we were, you know, feeling that resistance. We finally have characters worth rooting for. In spite of what this pilot has done, you know, defecting, failing his country, he's a disgrace and whatnot. We find ourselves rooting for him because I think there's something relatable in his shame. I think we've all been where he's been at some point in our lives for one reason or another. And now we're seeing this man battle this giant. It's a very David and Goliath kind of story. And I think that's what makes this such a heartfelt monster sci-fi movie is it's very relatable. We have a character that we can very, very, we can connect with. And I think it's so amazing that we can connect with him across cultural lines just to show how universal humanity is. It's a beautiful film. I don't think there's many uh, much else you can say about it. It's just well done. It's got great action. The music, I think those of you who are familiar with Godzilla will recognize some of the music in this. And on top of that, you have the beautiful Japanese architecture, the beautiful Japanese landscape. There are parts of Ginza, I think it's the city that's called, that reminded me of New Orleans. There there was a very down-home quality to it that was kind of easy and sweet. Just really reminded me of like downtown New Orleans near Canal Street. Just beautiful. But yeah, I I think that's all I really have to say about this movie. It's an incredible addition to the Godzilla franchise. It's the best one that I've seen in a very long time, probably the best I've ever seen. Great acting, great cinematography, quintessential Japanese cinema. If you've never watched Japanese cinema, yes, I'm saying that as someone who doesn't like subtitles. If you've never watched Japanese cinema, you are truly missing out. It's next level. Next level. Japanese cinema is one of those weird, obscure things that you'll study in a, in a, in an American film class. And I say weird because it seems, um, it seems weird. It seems out of place. But once you get into the weeds of it, it, the study of it makes sense within the grander scheme of cinema. That makes, if, if that makes sense. So. Highly recommend. I, I loved that so much. I really wish there would be a bigger push marketing wise for this movie. Instead of, you know, pushing it off like this is just another foreign film. No, this is masterclass. This is expert, beautiful, 
quintessential, memorable, we're going to be talking about this for a while kind of cinema. I heavily expect this to be nominated for something. This, I, I feel like this This is the kind of movie that would often get overlooked by the Academy. You know, your action and your sci-fi movies, unless it's, you know, high fantasy like Lord of the Rings. But this is, these are the kinds of movies that often get overlooked. The Academy doesn't know what to do with horror movies. They don't know what to do with sci-fi movies. They, they don't know what to do. But I think this is the kind of movie that deserves to be nominated. It's excellent. It's just that good. It's... All right, parental units, this is the part of the podcast where I answer your most burning question. Is this movie appropriate for my child? So this movie is PG-13 um, for creature violence and action. There, There's nothing too bloody in this movie, like nothing more than like a bloody scalp or a bloody nose. You do have the monster, you know, stepping on people and crushing them, which I think if you have a middle schooler, especially a middle school boy, they might find that, you know, um, fun. <laughs> that is something a middle school boy would just find so intriguing. Like, oh my gosh, you went splat. But I digress. I, I think this movie will be fine. This is good. It's good fun. So, I mean, if you have taken your kid to see a Marvel movie, I don't think this will be any different of an experience. It's, you know, this is, keep in mind, this is a monster that kills people and breaks things and things blow up and um, there are bombs and whatnot, talks of war. I, I think there might be, if you have a child that is sensitive in terms of, you know, family dynamics, because we have a little girl who calls this man daddy and he's He's like, I told you, don't call me that. I'm not your father. So if you have a child that's sensitive to stuff like that, just keep that in mind. Um, and I, I'm saying that from the perspective of someone who lost their father when I was four. So anytime there is a father-daughter dynamic in a movie, I cry, I well up, but I'm good. I can watch it, but I am a little sensitive to it. So that's why I mentioned that more from a personal standpoint than anything else. But other than that, I think your kid will be good. It's, this is a good, fun movie. I, I can't think of anything in this movie that they should be weary of, you know? So I say go for it. Absolutely go for it. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thank you for listening to me rant and rave about yet another movie. So that was Godzilla Minus One, directed by Takahashi Yamazaki. Just to sum it all up, it's excellent. It's well done. It's beautiful. Um, don't be like me and be scared of subtitles. Just go for it. It's it's a good movie. It's, it's solid. And I think this is the movie that a lot of American audiences have been looking for. Just quality, well-done cinema. Now, what's coming up? So... By the time most of y'all listen to this, I will be in another movie theater, a different one. This will not be AMC, so a different movie theater. And I'm watching Maestro with Bradley Cooper. The movie actually comes out on Netflix next week, but I, this is another thing I have to get past. I have to get past, you know, subtitles and I have to get past, you know, watching movies at home. I don't like watching new movies streaming. I don't. It's one thing if it's a movie I've seen a thousand times over and I'm just playing it. That's something different. But when it's a brand new movie and especially with what I do and I'm tasking myself with concentrating and focus, I can't do it. Absolutely can't. Um, it, it was a battle to watch Rustin and the killer and killer. The one with Michael Fassbender 
David Fincher um, over Thanksgiving break. Like that was a task. And I am currently struggling, struggling to watch May, December with Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. Um, it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not even that. It's just that I can't sit still. I really should have just, you know, sucked it up and watched it when it was in theaters. It wasn't theaters for a little bit here. It's just at a movie theater that I never go to. So there was that point. There was that part. So I'm going to go downtown and watch Maestro in theaters because I. this is the movie, one of the movies that I've been itching to see for a while. I'm going to be going to another AMC screen unseen on Monday. I am thinking it's going to be The Boys in the Boat. I think that's what the movie's called. The one with the George Clooney directed film about the rowing team during the Great Depression. That's what I'm thinking it is. It's PG-13, right around two-ish hours. So that's the... I'm hoping. I, I would love to see it. And then I'm seeing Wonka next week. I already got my ticket for that. The week after that, I am seeing two movies. I'm going to see The Iron Claw Thursday night. And then Thursday afternoon, I'm seeing Anyone But You. So rom-com, enemies to lovers. I don't think we've had a good rom-com this year. The only one that I can think of would be Beautiful Disaster. And I have thoughts on that one. That movie was just done dirty. Um, The director really did that movie dirty. I'll rant and rave about that one another time. But, you know good little winter rom-com looking forward to it and then after that is Christmas and I'm making decisions on where I'm going to be for Christmas but right now I have my ticket for the color purple so they're not showing that the day before so I'll be seeing that Christmas day and I think Ferrari also comes out Christmas day there might be some other things coming around out around Christmas there is a movie with Anthony Hopkins and Matthew Good uh, Freud's last session that I really want to see that I think comes out around Christmas. It makes me a little sad though to see this movie's called Freud's Last Session Last Session and to know that it's Anthony Hopkins. It, it's just ominous in a way that makes me a little sad. But that's it. That's what's coming up. That's what's been. What movies are you gonna be seeing this weekend? A lot of people are asking if I'm gonna see, I think it's The Boy and the Heron, anime, animated film. I'm not big on anime. I don't enjoy it. It's not my thing. Not If it's not like Pokemon or Sailor Moon, I know, basic, I don't particularly like anime. It doesn't do anything for me. There's nothing wrong with it. I just can't get into that animation style at all. I can't do it. I mean, I want to see it, though. I've heard great things, and everyone's pushing me to see it. So you you never know. Anything can happen. So I'll let you know if something changes. But let me know what movies you're going to be seeing this weekend. What are you looking forward to watching around the Christmas holidays? Happy Hanukkah! To any of my Jewish listeners, the first day of Hanukkah was yesterday. So eat latkes on my behalf because I love latkes and I hope you have a fun time celebrating with family. And that's it. Thank you for listening. You're amazing. Love you much. And I will see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 